0: Mm
1: -hmm. We know you went in there and said, hand me that phone, you demon child.
0: Yeah.
2: No. (laughs) You 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 tell your dad, I'll slap you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy step family coaching team, Lori and David Sims.
1: Hey, 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 hey. What's up? What's up, Buttercup? <laughs> David, it's almost Thanksgiving. Thank goodness. Why are you thank goodness and
2: Because it's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> What's almost over, 2020? <laughs> yes. The funny thing is, it's not like you're going to get up on January 1 and it's like, hey, it's all done. Everything's perfect today. No. I, I hear some people say that, like, I can't wait to get 2020 behind me. It's terrible. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if it's going to be that quite that easy.
1: Well, just think, some people were saying that about 2019.
2: Mm-hmm. People say that about every year.
1: Things can get worse, people. But, can, but we're going to think positive.
2: But they can get better, too.
1: Yes, they are going to get better. We're going to make them better. Yeah? Yeah. How are we going to do that? We are going to save blended families from demise. <laughs> I wonder how many people are not going to be doing Thanksgiving because of the whole social distancing.
2: I think there are a lot of people that probably are glad they now have a legitimate reason (laughs) to not have family over (laughs) or to go to family events. Yeah. and Think of it from a blended family standpoint. It's like, oh, honey, I'm sorry we can't go to your mom's this year. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, like... (laughs) We can't go anywhere this year. We're just going to stay home and eat ham.
2: But we'll do it over Zoom.
1: Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, I know we'll have to go to your mama's.
2: (laughs) It's hard to get around (laughs) that. But then again, when other people are going to feed us, we're there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was telling somebody that, you know, your mom will send a list of what we need to bring.
2: Mm -hmm. And I usually
1: just give you the list.
2: The funny thing is, it's always simple. It's like... No, no,
1: unless it's going to just buy it from the store, it's not simple to me. And you know your sweet mama has a habit of changing up at the last minute. Oh, I don't need you to bring 14 loaves of bread. I need you to bring 20 cans of corn.
2: (laughs) Well, we've never had to bring that much of either one. Okay, I'm
1: exaggerating a little.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thankful. She's like, can you bring bread and drinks? And I'm like, heck yeah. I ain't got to cook anything. Last time you had to cook a green bean casserole. I offered to cook a green bean casserole.
1: Oh, because they knew not to ask me. Yeah, it actually turned out good. It did. So guess what? You're going to be stuck be doing, making another
2: yeah. one. Look, I can make the best canned cranberry sauce you've ever had.
1: <laughs> I think you and your niece are the only ones that eat it.
2: You, you have to have it. Like No, nobody else has to have it. If you have, If you have
1: dressing. It, it is like... Cranberry jelly.
2: It's awesome. You have to have it if you're going to have dressing. No, you don't. You, you have to. No, you don't. And I eat it together. Like I have to eat it on the fork at the same time as my dressing. Oh. So when you mix the dressing and cranberry sauce together, oh my gosh. Nastiness. Yes. I mean, it wasn't like I wouldn't like mix it together, mix it together, but you have to eat it together. You ought to try mixing it together. No, you have to have
1: the different. No, I'm going to mix it,
2: a and, tablespoon and of each I, for you. And it has to be the dressing on the bottom. So you have to put the dressing on the fork first, then put the cranberry sauce.
1: It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. You have to eat there, them a certain way. There's
2: a reason why it's not called jelly and peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah. You I have to put the peanut butter on
1: 1st Mm-hmm. We usually get a turkey from Bojangles, but they quit doing that a couple years ago.
2: But I did hear that Popeye's is doing... Popeye! No, I've never had one, don't know how good it is, but, you know, it is a thing. I'm not opposed to doing fried chicken. I'm not opposed to doing a ham in a can. Well, we've done that before, too. Man, there's... <laughs> we, do, we could do a Spam Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: Y'all, ham in a can. That ham jelly. You know what I'm talking about? hmm That's just some nasty stuff.
2: You're not supposed to eat it.
1: You're not supposed to eat it? I don't eat it. <laughs> I don't even eat the ham if it comes out of a can. (laughs) Anyway, for our listeners. Some of our listeners are in different parts of the world, of course. So some have already had their Thanksgiving if they're in Canada. Some don't have Thanksgiving at all. Well, cool.
2: That's less to argue about.
1: So if you are in a country that does not celebrate Thanksgiving, you ought to have you a turkey sandwich on our Thanksgiving Day. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Turkey sandwich. A turkey sandwich. We're not going to make them fix turkey and dressing and all the sides. My mama used to get up at like 3 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving to cook, and she was one heck of a mean woman the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Because she's tired. Yeah. Everybody's coming over. Oh, I ain't seen you in forever. Get away from me. (laughs) Just wanting the food. (laughs) And then people come over and bring their little
2: to-go containers. I'm telling you, it's, it's stressful. And All holidays are stressful. Yeah, especially if you're hosting, because you've got you got to do all the cleanup work before people get there. No, my mama used us. Uh, us children were. You cleaned up?
1: Yes. Me and Don. <laughs> Courtney didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that sweet little baby, she couldn't do nothings.
2: Anyway. But you got to do all that. Then halftime, they leave and leave you with the mess to clean up again. It's terrible.
1: Yeah. And then turkey makes you tired anyway. (laughs) It really does. Look it up. There's something in turkey that makes you tired. So if you eat sandwiches at work, don't eat turkey sandwiches.
2: So maybe if you're having a night where you can't go to sleep, you should eat turkey. Ah,
1: there you go. David, we can make turkey capsules for people to take at night to help them
2: sleep. Uh, so if you're suffering from insomnia. We're going to make take, turkey capsules. We'll get some uh, blank capsules and we'll put a little bit of turkey meat in it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be called turkey peels. Turkey drops.
1: No, turkey peels. <clears throat> yeah, I don't see Turkey that. gelatin capsules. I don't
2: see that going anywhere. Okay, on to your next idea. Okay. Yeah, I'm full of ideas, y'all. You're full of stuff. Okay, <laughs> so.
1: Hey, you know, some places call it stuffing instead of dressing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think the only difference is, is the dressing goes underneath the turkey and the stuffing goes inside.
2: That's why it's called stuffing. Stuffed.
1: That sounds really gross. mm mm-hmm. No. Okay. That's you funny. know, I cooked a turkey one time. I think me and you tried, didn't we? And we were pulling all kinds of stuff out of the turkey.
2: Yeah, I do seem to remember something about
1: yeah. doing
2: that once.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, we'll try anything once. And then we're like, nah, that's good. We'll just buy it from Bojangles. They don't do it anymore. Or Popeyes.
2: We're going to try Popeyes this year. Well, I have to say now one year I got this bright idea I was going to cook our own turkey. So I went out and bought like the outdoor cooking setup with the big old pot. Because because you have
1: to deep fry the turkey in
2: peanut oil. Right. Right. So I bought all of it and then I was like, no, that sounds too much. (laughs) And and it's still all sitting out in in the building somewhere, (laughs) brand new.
1: I think we got your brother-in-law to cook it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he offered. So I like yeah. cool. Exactly. We like it easy peasy. Don't mm-hmm. be adding stress to our life, people. I know.
2: We're all about nachoing.
1: Yeah. We're going to nacho Thanksgiving. <laughs> Mama, if you listening, you get your own corn this year. I'm kidding. We'll bring corn. You just fix the dressing.
2: We make a mean canned corn. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we can warm up something in the heartbeat. Ooh, watch out.
1: <laughs> we are the chef's. All right, our guest today is a stepmom in Utah that has been blending for 14 months. I thought she was going to say years. I was going like, good grief. No, she has three, yes, people, three teenage stepdaughters.
2: Woo-wee. Hormone
1: central going on at her house. Mm. She is a high school teacher, and so, you know, She really thought I deal with kids every day. Mm -hmm. I've got this. I handle sixteen to twenty kids at a time. Three,
2: throw them at me. Mm -mm. Guess what? Yeah. And I mentioned this when we interviewed her, but I do think people in education have the hardest time with blending. I mean, not that everybody don't have it difficult. I just think that they walk in with a very different viewpoint because they're like, hey, I deal with kids all the time. This is going to be nothing, no different. Or I'm a coach, and so I'm coaching the ball team, and and all the kids listen to me, and they love me, and they do this, and they do that, and then you get your stepkids.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mentioned it during the interview. I'm like, yeah, the coach can yell at you all day, and you're like, I love you, coach. Mm -hmm. And stepmom yells at you. She's like, oh, well, my mom, you're evil.
2: Yeah, you're not my mom.
1: Dad, you need to get rid of her. Yeah. All right. That's all I'm going to tell you about her. All right. Well, you ready to get into the interview? I am, but I do have to say one more thing. Okay. We ask her, or you ask her a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. And y'all, her responses, I would give her an Emmy, a nacho Emmy. Mm-hmm. Because
2: we couldn't have told her what to say better. No, I remember when she said, I'm, like my mouth was like open. My my jaw was on the table. I was like, wow.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, another one. Another, what do you call them? Poster child for Nacho? (laughs) Poster child. No, another spokesperson for Nacho. Yep. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Absolutely. All right, David, quit talking to me.
2: All right, quit listening. Not a problem. All right, let's get into our interview with Stepmom from Utah. (laughs) talk.
3: to save your sanity and your relationship and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy in the Nacho Kids Academy you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho techniques to handle step family challenges ways to improve your communication and much much more visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life changing benefits of nachoing again that's NachoKidsAcademy.com
1: today we have stepmom Kayla. Hey, stepmom Kayla, how are you?
3: Good, I'm doing well, thank you.
2: Hey, Hi, Kayla.
4: <laughs> Hi.
0: Everybody does that to me. Hi. <laughs> Everybody gives
2: Lori this, this big smiling hello and then go, hey, David.
1: <laughs> but I think it's the difference in your tone and mine. Is that what it is? Yeah, because I'm like, today we have stepmom uh, Kayla. So and the, you're like, hey, Kayla. Like you're trying to be sexy or something. Hey, Kayla.
0: You're We're scaring right? them. That's what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, is that what it is? You're
1: Jake from so,
4: State
0: Farms. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you, you'll do that for me, Kayla? <laughs> uh,
4: uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, Maybe that's right. This is a different kind of podcast <laughs> than I thought.
2: It's not your kids after dark.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: No, I, don't, I cannot imagine.
2: So, so maybe that's what it is. That people, people are mirroring me. Can I say? Is that right? Mirror, mirror, mirroring mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, I'll let y'all yeah, go hook your exactly.
4: <laughs> Maybe, maybe you should set start one next time and see what happens. There yeah, you go.
2: Okay, here we go. Okay. Welcome, stepmom Kayla to the podcast. Hi, Kayla. Hello.
4: Thank you. Oh, God. So see you.
2: It's amazing. Hey, Kayla. <laughs>
4: Hi. No,
2: so hey Lori.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kayla. So how long have you been blending?
4: So, I have been blending for only, I feel like one of those parents who measure their kids by months cuz we haven't hit any like real significant time frames, but 14 months is what we're at. So, almost a year and a half, I guess.
1: Um, there's a year in there. So that's a pretty good milestone. Yeah, I guess so.
4: I guess so. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but I guess so.
1: Well, you know what we say, blended years are like dog years. So you've really been together 96 months or 98 (laughs) months, whatever it is.
4: Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. It feels like that for sure. Lots of packed experiences into that time. So
1: there you go. Well,
4: how many stepkids do you have? Uh three stepdaughters. They are thirteen, fifteen, and sixteen. Ooh, and no, lordy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> none, none of uh, my own and no ours kids. So just just the five of us.
2: Girl. Wow.
4: Yeah, yep.
2: <laughs> See, Ooh, you know, doggy. Some, somebody from the outside would look at You know, your husband and say, Man, he is just outnumbered. It's gotta be rough. But us (laughs) knowing what we know, (laughs) we look at you and go, Oh my gosh.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it it, it's a handful. And I, I grew up, so I'm the oldest of six kids, and the three I'm the three below me are boys. And so I was out of the house and getting into college when my sisters were really growing up. And so I never had this girl girl dynamic that is in our home I never had to you know worry about where the makeup is or who's wearing my clothes and you know just all that the highs and lows of the emotions and things I was the only one and so it's been a new experience in that way living with family that are girls that close together so that's been an interesting experience as well
2: oh yeah Mm, I just can't imagine
4: Well, how do you think I felt dealing with four boys?
2: Yeah, but yeah, three girls with all the mood swings and craziness and boy drama. and Hey, look here. Oh, my gosh. A
1: couple of your kids yeah. had mood swings like girls do.
2: Well, that was because you were causing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's probably my problem, too, actually.
2: <laughs>
4: <So>. <laughs>
1: I'm curious. How did you and your significant other meet?
4: So we actually met online, and he lived— Uh, two states away um, and was just visiting our state. I wasn't trying to find somebody out of state, but he just happened to be in states for a week and we matched up. And so he made the trek for, uh, he's nine hours away. So Hmm. he made the drive to our state every other weekend for about three months before I went up there and met uh, his family and then the three girls. And then, so Both he and his ex, uh, well, his ex uh, was marrying somebody in my state as well. And so it worked out perfectly that he wanted to be down here closer to them. So they both moved uh, last or the summer of 2019 down to the state I live in. And then we were married a couple months later. So about nine months from when we um, really started dating. So it was pretty quick. But that's pretty typical from, I live in a pretty conservative religious state and I'm a part of that religion and it's pretty normal to meet and marry really quickly. So we met in December of 2018 and married in September of 2019 and everybody moved down. So they had a new stepdad on their mom's side and two new step siblings and then a new stepmom with me, a new school, just everything was brand new. So that those first couple months were a lot of adjustment for everybody.
2: Hmm. So you live in Utah.
4: I do. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: What are you? Why are you looking at me like that, honey? Uh-huh.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he didn't know that. I didn't tell him that.
4: Oh, oh, good guess. Yes, and, and my husband's from Montana, so about nine hours north. Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah. So, did Biomom yeah. Mom meet her future husband
4: on the internet too? He, she did. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, there's a pretty popular uh, app. In our religion that's specific to that religion. And so a lot of people in this area meet their significant others on that app because it's targeted towards those of that religion.
2: Hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, Lori and I met online. Um, I won't give oh, out the name of the. <laughs> I won't give out the name of the site.
1: Don't tell people that. <laughs> uh, it's the Kay, only
4: way we weren't, try, we weren't
2: trying to meet people either.
4: <laughs> Kayla, does it bother yeah. you to tell people you met online? It did in the beginning, but I think that's sort of the way relationships are going. The traditional forms of dating and meeting just don't happen. We're not as social as we used to be. Even even the college students in our area use this particular app and they're on campus where they can just go to an event and meet people and they'll they'll use the app. I think it's just easier and lazy a little bit. It's kind (laughs) of a
2: it's kind of a speed dating type thing. You know, you kind of you can you can check them out and you already know they're available because they're posting there, right? So yes, it takes yeah. that takes half the problem. Uh, that out is of it. not always true. Well, <laughs> yes, I, I mean, we're not speaking. Right. <laughs> we're not speaking for your ex, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah so it, it worked out. Yeah, it was kind of embarrassing in the beginning, but I'm also older. I met him when I was 38 and hadn't been married before, and kind of knew what I was looking for and wasn't able to find it either in person or you know even through through the dating app for a while. So it's embarrassing, but then it's like, he's great. So, um, yeah, you know, I think people forget that, you know, there was the app. So,
2: yeah. So your profile is like looking for dude with three girls to raise.
4: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's three teenage girls. That would be great. (laughs) But the Uh, high conflict bio (laughs) mom would be like the best. Yeah. (laughs) I think somebody should
2: actually do that on their dating profile. (laughs) Looking for somebody with tons of kids with bunches of, Issues and high conflict bio moms. <laughs> and no money because yeah. they're always paying court fees. Yeah.
4: Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the best thing that we've heard is the a lady that met somebody online and she didn't know he had a kid for a oh, while. Gosh. Yeah. Ooh. So he had put like no kids on his profile.
4: Yeah.
1: And she said they went to the beach one day and he brings his son, and she's like, whoa whoa, what?
4: <laughs> "Whoa, whoa, That's a big secret to keep." I guess. Yeah, that,
2: that was a fun one. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, I I knew I knew from the beginning, so we're good.
1: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So you met online. Golly, mm-hmm. I can't believe he drove nine hours. I ain't lying, girl.
4: Well, I'm I'm pretty uh I, I'm I'm a good catch, I think. So <laughs> I don't know, um, but no, it was yeah. He knew there's not a lot of eligible people where he's from. Yeah, it's Montana. Yeah, re- well, religion-wise, it narrows the the pool a little bit. So I don't know, just crazy how it worked out. So
1: okay, so are you Mormon? I am. Yeah. Okay, I just want to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. I thought so, but I'm like, you know, let me
4: just clarify
1: because um, yes. <laughs> I need to hook up with you later and tell you about this person that we know that's getting ready to start this Mormon YouTube channel.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it okay.
1: ought
2: to be interesting.
4: Mm-hmm okay yeah. <laughs> sounds like
1: it it's, it's like the stuff that mormons don't want you to know or something like
2: that. yeah i don't know
4: Ooh, it
1: was interesting it's
4: like an expose i know
2: okay. uh, i like i want
1: to know <laughs> cool but okay i want to know <laughs> you know her and her husband got married really quick
2: too Mm-hmm. met mm-hmm. online yeah did they meet online
4: yeah i think so
2: yeah everybody meets online anymore anyway
4: yeah, culturally, religion-wise, most people, like, that's a pretty normal thing to get married really quick.
2: That is, the, again, another benefit of dating online. We're going to make this a dating online episode.
4: <laughs> but it is the
2: benefit that you can look at things like, do they have the same interest I have? And do they have the same beliefs that I have? And and so you right. take some of those some of those things that can be, you know, the, um, what is it that you call them? Red flags. Yeah, the, the red flags uh, or, or the, you know. Um, quirks. The, the, I'm not going to go down this path uh, thing. Yeah. You know? So the, the deal breakers, that's what I was trying to think of. She, oh, deal know, breakers. she's like, these are deal breakers. So, you know, you kind of get to see, or do they have any of these things that are deal breakers? And, and there again, it's much better than being six months in and already kind of emotionally, you know, invested and then find out, oh man, mm-hmm. this is just not where I wanted it to, to be.
4: Yeah. You know, yeah, and I felt like the distance and the online format really helped us ground our relationship in communication because he's so far away, so there were a lot of you know phone calls and texting and messages that from the very beginning, we started out from a really solid place where we had talked about all the stuff with the ex and the concerns with the kids and, and all the things, because that's what you talk about when you mm-hmm. talk to someone, you know, three or four times a week on the phone for an hour or two. And, and so I felt like that really helped us now because we really have talked about it all and mm-hmm. we keep talking about it all, which is really good.
2: It, it probably does help because it keeps you from getting caught up in that whirlwind of seeing each other all the time.
1: Yes. And two, I would think that It's really good from the standpoint of you straight out address things that you probably would put off if you were in person because Mm -hmm. you might not feel as comfortable asking questions, I guess.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm sure you probably heard us talk about the rescue dog that we got. And Mm -hmm. the lady that we got him from, she had been in a relationship for five years with this guy. And all of a sudden, they got engaged like February or January and like March or whenever it was, we got the dog. Come to find out, dude had another family.
2: <laughs> oh. yeah, five years in.
1: I mean, oh, that's a long time. Oh, I'm like, what? So he left her and said, keep the dog, do whatever you want to with him. Well, of course, he was vicious. So, you know, they were going to put him to sleep. That's why we got him. Anyway, mm. but I'm like, I wonder if they met online.
4: Hmm. Yeah, you can definitely hide a lot of things and present yourself in a pretty certain light when you're when you're online.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep.
2: yeah, Lori did that yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I only posted pictures of me with straight
2: hair. Yep. she did. <laughs> I met her; her hair was just, you know, mm. flat ironed straight. It was just mm. it's like, man,
4: it's your deal breaker. As
2: <laughs> soon, soon as we get married, I ain't seen straight hair since. You lie. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Just not as much.
2: Yeah. yeah, he says I look like trailer park trash with my hair
1: cur- curly. Oh, darn it. And my mom hated it straight. She was yeah. like, please don't do that to your hair. I love your curls. Can't win either way. Nah, but I tell you what, mm-hmm. it takes so long to do it. Maybe you should learn mm-hmm. to do it, David. You can do it while I take a nap. There
4: you go.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I just know that if I if I'm come if I come home and her hair straight, I'm like, oh Lordy, what is the occasion? <laughs> That's why my hair ain't straight very often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but I would have to say it's uh, it's an ordeal for her to do. I mean, she's she's got hair <laughs> all the way down to her tailbone, so it's long uh-huh. and it's a lot to uh-huh. do. So, yeah. so when she does it, I appreciate it. But yeah, I thought it was that way all the time, but I got I got you fooled. did not. I got food. <laughs> I didn't say lie to I got fooled. It was a little bit of a bait and switch. I ain't gonna lie.
4: <laughs> if that's the worst that it was, I think you're you're good in good place.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. David. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> We're just going to move on here. <laughs> okay. It's really good, though, that BioMom met somebody in the same state, because can you imagine how hard it would have been to have a relationship with somebody that was nine hours away, you would have had to move. Right. Or if he would have moved, he wouldn't have been able to see his kids as often. And right. I just can't imagine. So that's great mm-hmm. that she met somebody there and got married too.
4: Yeah, it worked out really well in terms of like the kids being closer. We actually have, uh, we're the primary parents. So we have them about nine months out of the year. And that's a whole thing in and of itself because they were both moving. Once we, we both kind of got engaged around the same time, she got married a month after us. <laughs> and so there was a custody hearing, right? The kids have to go to school somewhere either in the town 3 hours away from where we are or with us and so that involved forensic psychologist and a month of tests and like personality tests and observations with the kids and talking with counselors and then uh, about two weeks before school started, the judgment came out and they were awarded to my husband for the school year and her for the summer. And then every other weekend they go to her. She gets every Thanksgiving a week at Christmas and every spring break and we get 10 days in the summer. So we're the work parents and she's the she's the fun parent, but that's how it usually is. But so I had a home already, but because religiously we we don't live together before we're married, but we didn't want the kids to have to move into an apartment and then a month later, move into the home once we were married. And then also because the schools that I live in are the better schools. So we moved the girls into the house and my husband into a motor home in the driveway. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> yeah,
4: so it was really good. It was crazy, but it was really good because they transitioned well once we were married. So he just moved into the house, but was there already most of the time, and so there wasn't that like abrupt change when everybody moves together. They were already living there. Like we got married on a Thursday, and you know they went with their grandparents, and on a Sunday they came back and went to we all we all went back to work and school on Monday. So it was a good you know, kind of transition into that. The disruptions came later and the frustration came later, but the beginning, it seemed like a pretty seamless transition. They did not want to live with dad. They wanted to live with mom. So that was really the difficulty in the beginning was them wanting to be down there and her, I say down there, she's three hours south of us. And that her really feeding into that by, you know, still convincing them that she was going to get it changed and things were going to change. And when they were a certain age, they could choose. And that's still actually going on even this week. So, but yeah, so there was a lot of disappointment on their end, but she's, she has some mental illness. Um, There's some documented abuse on her part to my husband, including a firearm. There's, and, and uh, lots of physical abuse to him that the kids have reported and documented. And so the judge and counselors took that into account and that's how he became the primary parent. So
1: that's why the forensic psychologist or whatever, and all that stuff was involved, right?
4: Yes. Yes.
1: Cause I was thinking Utah don't play.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Montana actually. Oh. So this was all in Montana. So it was decided in Montana where they, who they would live with. Yeah. And then we filed a parenting plan in, in Utah. Hmm. So, okay. Yeah.
1: All right. So, tell us what you do as a profession because that has some impact on your thoughts of the blend and
4: all that stuff yeah so I have been a high school teacher for 16 years mostly senior so 17 and 18 year old and I you know I, I got a lot of reactions when I was was telling people I was getting married and and taking on three-step kids and a lot of people would say kind of what I felt which was oh you're well prepared you you know how to work with teenagers. You you know how to deal with teenagers. Um, and I kind of thought the same thing uh, naively. I think um, that that I am around teenagers all day, and I know how they think and operate. And I even sometimes know them better than their parents because I see what they do when their parents aren't around. But when we all moved in together, I found that parenting children and teaching children are very different practices. <laughs> Definitely, yeah,
2: yeah. So you didn't know what you were getting into.
4: Uh, no, <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> but you thought you did. I thought I did. Yeah, you thought I you thought
4: did. I did. Yeah, but no, not at all.
2: So what, what was your first uh, warning sign that oh, this is this is going to be different? When the kids flattened our tires on the way to the
4: wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they are. I'm pretty lucky in the fact that they are not defiant. They pretty much uh, do what I ask when when I ask. Um, they don't they don't call me names. They don't talk back. I think it's out of respect for, they de- for their dad. They know he's been through a lot, and I think out of respect to him, they they don't do that. It started to creep in like a couple months ago. I think the honeymoon period is over. There's been some that that 14 year old. I tell you, 14 man, it is an age for sure, but she's turned into a little bit of a, she's starting to show some of those behaviors. Yeah. So, so for a while it was really the conflict with the bio mom that was really dominating uh, most of our, our lives being told how to parent from her, or what we were doing is wrong. And, and also my husband trying to figure out how to be a little bit more authoritative and hold some boundaries and schedules and things like that. So that, that was most of the conflict. It really wasn't until I would say they went to their moms for the summer and came back and the dynamic had changed, whether it was that they had been with us for the majority of the time since the custody arrangement, and then had now spent three months with mom, where I'm sure our names are not spoken of kindly. And that I think really impacts, you know, the kids when they hear negative things about stepmom and dad. And and so it's really been the last two months that I have really struggled, I think, with I'm doing this to myself, like I had taken such an active role in the beginning, I was the one who set up the schedules and took care of appointments and cooked the meals and made sure that grades were where they were supposed to be and, you know, set up their school schedules and everything. And everybody just kind of went with it. And I could slowly feel myself losing like my sanity a bit, but then summer came and then we've come back And I've just realized we, the 14 year old and I had a really tough interaction where I had to kind of get real with myself and realize that it was, I was the source of that. Like I was causing the contention because I was involving myself too much in a place where I shouldn't be involved. And that's really when I joined the academy and kind of pulled back and things have slowly started to improve on that front. That was a really long answer to that question.
2: Sorry. that That was a great answer. Yeah,
4: really? Yeah. We
1: could have told you what to say any better <laughs> <laughs> <I'm heard. laughs>
4: yeah, and it was all over a dumb cell phone where I stayed home from work one day, and they they are home. So I'm at school all the days of the week, and they only go to school two days. So we have a schedule set up, but I don't really know what happens at home. My husband works from home, but but I just come home and and things are kind of um, going as they're going. But I stayed home and kind of saw the behind the scenes. And she went into our room to get her cell phone. We take their cell phones uh, at night, and she's not allowed in our room. And Dad was working, and I took it upon myself to go get the cell phone back. And according to her, snatched it out of her hand, um, and that really caused really what it caused is some some problems for my husband because he got on he got on a break and I was complaining to him about her behavior and he went to talk to her and she's complaining about my behavior so he spent his lunch break going back and forth and you know trying to mediate between These two parties, and I could just see in him, like, this is just not the place he wanted to be and not the role he wanted to take. And so we kind of had a pretty frank discussion about it. And I had to then say, I didn't need to do that. I I needed to nacho in that moment. I needed to wait until he got off on his break and tell him what had happened and let him handle it and take the phone from her. It, It didn't do any more damage for her to have that phone for 45 more minutes when she wasn't supposed to. And so that was kind of the light bulb for me that it was my doing that was causing all this tension and really that I was causing a lot of harm to him and my job I realized is to support him parenting his children and to be on his team first. And so I think that has made all the difference in the last couple of weeks.
2: Wow, that was a great answer. <laughs> oh,
4: thank you. It's like, <laughs> thank you.
2: Wow, you've definitely been uh, paying attention in the academy.
4: <laughs> yes, very much so, but it didn't it didn't click until until that happened and then I realized I have a very close friend who has um, four kids and she's divorced and i've kind of been her travel buddy in my adult life whenever she wants to take her kids on vacation and and so it's she and i and i never parent her kids so when we go to you know California a couple summers ago before i was married i i kept them alive so if we were crossing a street and a car was coming i would reach and grab a kid and get him out of the way or you know but i never would tell them you know eat your vegetables or stop fighting or i just let her do that because they're her kids and i'm just the along for the trip basically mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden i it just clicked that this is the same thing like i i am not the parent i'm just the along for the trip and and the dad needs to be the parent so that that connection really helped as well
2: yeah yeah you're you're his wife yes you're you're not their their parent
4: right, right. Right.
2: And we tell people all the time that some, you know, everybody's dynamics different because some people, you know, they're like, well, I can parent or I can parent a little bit or, Mm -hmm. and it also depends on how far along you are in that relationship with those kids, because Mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where I can parent some if I choose to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lori can parent some if she chooses to. But in the beginning, when things are really bad, (laughs) it's best to not do any of that, not even remotely do any of that. and um, And I mean, hats off to you for for realizing where the problem was coming from. And not that you created the problem, because the problem was the kid picked up the phone and shouldn't have. Um, right. But you you reacting to that instead of you know throwing it over to dad, because what happened, as you said, is now you took the problem that was her taking the phone and you created two problems. Mm-hmm. Because now there's a problem with her, and then now there's a problem with you. Of how you handled it, and then he's stuck in the middle trying to figure out, well, wh- which one do I address? Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes it ends up taking the focus off of the real problem, which would have been the daughter, and it turns all that toward the stepmom or the wife. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the stepmom's like, I don't understand this. I don't understand why you're mad at me. And because the issue got switched
1: from mm-hmm. the daughter taking the phone to how the stepmom reacted. Yeah.
4: right. It was my tone and my taking of the phone that became the issue Mm -hmm. and her frustrated with the way I spoke to her which was not, you know, it shouldn't have even been an issue. You're right. It became a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We know you went in there and said, hand me that
2: phone, you demon
4: I child.
0: Did.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> you, know, you tell your dad, I'll
2: slap you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We had a big issue with this too, uh, which is perception. And in our family, what would happen is my kids would perceive an incident very different than what Lori's perception of that incident was. Because they were lying. Yes. They were lying, <laughs> little youngest. I, <laughs> I don't know that they were lying all the time. I think sometimes they were definitely embellishing. Mm-hmm. But they would say things. Even when I was there sometimes and I was, you know, privy to seeing what happened, I still could see from both angles. I could see how she saw it that way, and I could see how they saw it their way. It's just a right. it's a very different perception issue. And oftentimes people don't realize that. That their perceptions are due to prejudices. And so what they're expecting to happen, their their mind will will fill that gap in for them based on the expectations of their prejudice. Mm-hmm. So if they're expecting stepmom to be mean, then if you're even the slightest bit, you know, not nice, I wouldn't say mean, mm-hmm. just you just weren't overly nice then Mm -hmm. by default, the prejudice in your mind kind of fills that in and goes, wow, she was snobby, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, or she was snappy at me or she snatched that away from me or whatever. I mean, and it's an unfortunate thing and people – It happens to people more than they realize where our perception of what happened can be very much swayed based on what our expectations are, which is why we tell people in the academy all the time, change your focus. If you're looking and expecting things to happen which are bad, you're expecting the kids to be bad, you're expecting all these problems to happen, oftentimes it's because you're expecting those things that they do happen. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I also had to learn, and I don't know if this is something you've talked about before, and that's where I got it, but that my words, either positive or negative, have a much heavier punch than dad's. So if mm-hmm. I am critical, then it's, it's a heavier criticism. Or if I'm complimentary, then it's more because I'm not required to love them. So where dad can be critical and and there's still that foundation of he's my dad. He cares about me. And I know that even in spite of this, he loves me. I have no connection there. And so it does some damage. I think I have to really be careful of the critical because I think it can do more damage than the bio parents because they have that bond that I don't have. And, and so that was a lesson too, of just holding holding my tongue, like no matter what.
1: And that's why we say the number one rule of not just- Is do not say anything negative to or about the stepkids. Mm -hmm. Only say things that are without a doubt the Sheerest of highest praises Mm -hmm. And somebody said Surely you don't mean I can't Tell her to take the trash out I'm like no you can't tell her to take the trash out Mm. And she's like what? That's ridiculous All right, try it (laughs) Well she told the stepdaughter to take the trash out The next thing you know it's The stepdaughter's telling the dad She hollered at me and told me I needed to take the trash out (laughs) Or the stepdaughter didn't do it Quick enough so the stepmom got irritated You're setting yourself up Mm -hmm. And it's not going to always be this way Kayla. Right. No. It will get to a point where you have a bond with them where when they go to leave and you say, "Hey, where are you going?" they're not thinking, "She's a nosy woman." They think, mm-hmm. "She cares about me. That's why she's asking."
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Or you can say can you take the trash out? And they're like, okay, sure.
0: Right.
1: And I learned with David's kids too, once I started re-engaging, you know, it was a, almost a trial and error. You would do two steps forward and go, Oop, not ready mm-hmm. and back up. Whether they weren't ready or I wasn't ready, it didn't matter. It would just, you have to back back up. Right. And if I asked them to help me do something, it was completely different if I asked them to do it themselves. Mm. So if I said, hey, will you help me and take the trash out? The response to me was completely different than if I said, hey, take the trash out.
0: Right?
2: Mm -hmm. Or she'd be like, I need some strong boy in here to help. And they're all running in there to try to help. (laughs)
4: That's the magic. Yeah, Yeah. I'm strong. Let me do it. Let
2: me do it. Girl, don't think I didn't use that to my advantage. I did. (laughs)
4: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you're right. There's not enough of a relationship or time there, in order for them to to know that I care about them, even though I'm you know asking or or requesting something of them there's just not enough time yet,
1: right, because they're trying to figure you out. They didn't date you mm-hmm. online they didn't ask you those <laughs> questions. <laughs>
4: Right, right, and so right. they
1: have to figure out who you are. Are you a good person? Or are you just being mean to them, or is what you're doing really because you have best intentions? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And with kids that age, it's hard. I mean, I re- my parents mm-hmm. were together, and I was a bad kid. So things never change. No, but I I, I think about it and I'm like, man, if my parents would have gotten divorced, first of all, I would have been queen of the many wives (laughs) because I'm a daddy's girl. (laughs) Secondly, I probably would have ran off any woman that was there I would have made Mm -hmm. sure of it I probably would have poisoned her yeah she ran off all mine (laughs) (laughs) yeah that wasn't easy (laughs) Loading them up on the buses ship them out y'all got to go he's mine I love him and his four kids do you hear me (laughs) and then two years later god i wish them girls would come
2: back because they just don't know She's like did you keep anybody's number can you call anybody (laughs) to take you (laughs) (laughs) he's like
1: yeah "Yeah, all these girls wanted to be with me i'm like yeah reality didn't hit them that's what it was (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah so it really sucks that They go to spend three months with Biomom. It does. And then they come back and they have been fed whatever information. And even if, let's just say that Biomom is a great person and she doesn't bash you. Okay? Let's pretend.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, let's definitely pretend.
1: (laughs) But bio moms not having to do homework. She's not doesn't care when they go to bed. She doesn't take their phones from them because they can stay up all night. So there are less rules there. She probably doesn't make them do chores because I only have my sweet babies for three months. I want them to enjoy their time here. Mm -hmm. Right.
4: Absolutely. I
2: can't believe stepmom took your phone. How dare her?
4: I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely the case. And I think that's even now that custody has been decided there's still, you know, talk of when do I get to come live with you? When do I get to decide? And, and a lot of conversation, mom saying, just, I need to get you a lawyer and all these things that, that really keep them. We keep asking them to invest here, to find friends, to join school clubs to And middle one in particular is just has one foot out the door because Bio mom is keeping it that way and keeping her kind of on the line, and so it's really difficult to contend not only with our dynamic, but this sort of "I'm not going to be here forever, so why why should I do anything really?" And so that that makes it tricky as well.
1: You know, a lot of times stepmoms are like that too. Mm-hmm. They have that one foot out the door, so it's like, why am I going to invest in this? Because we're not going to make it.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: no need. The kids hate me. I'm tired of fighting with him. And that's one thing that we strongly recommend in the Academy is when you join the Academy, you have to be all in. Yes, We can't have you having one foot out the door because what we're going to teach you to do is not always easy. And if you're going to take the path of least resistance, you're going to quit the Academy and move out, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: but you're going to end up more than likely in another blended relationship. So you haven't achieved anything.
4: Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and really that, the relationship between you know him and I, husband and I, is is the most important. And I'm lucky that he's on the same page where he always says, like, they're gonna come and go, right? These kids, they're a temporary you I think you guys have said there these are temporary issues and concerns and problems, but you and I aren't going anywhere. And so you you know, we've really got to make sure that we're okay so that they're okay too. Right. And so I really appreciate that in him that he really puts us um, first, which which is nice. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a a little bit about how you presented the whole nachoing thing to your husband Mm -hmm. and got him on board with it. But before we go down that path, how does your husband deal with his daughters having one foot out the door? Because that has to be terribly stressful?
4: Uh, It's actually, I think, more hurtful than stressful just because I mentioned earlier that there was a lot of physical abuse that goes with her personality disorder and kids are the ones that reported that to counselors and to psychologists. And so they've seen, especially the last four years where they're all old enough to remember they've seen kind of what he went through. And so he's fought so hard to keep them because he believes that's their best chance. And that's why, even though 15 year old wants to go 14, 15 year old wants to go we're saying no until it's ordered, right? Because we feel like this is their their best chance. Um, so he is good at ignoring that because he knows it won't happen legally. But I think it's really hurtful just because of all that he's been through. So and and it hurts me too, when I put in all this effort, when I make sure you have school clothes and food and a nice room and all these things, and then you're you're telling bio mom that, you know, it's intolerable here and you want to go. It's hard to put that kind of in your back pocket, like your guest last week said, I think the pride in the back pocket and treat them the same, right? With the same love and affection and That you always have. And so I admire him for that. I'm not as good at that. I usually just have to walk away sometimes, but I think it's more hurt than it is anything else. Cause I don't, I don't think it will happen legally based on what we have documented. And also 15 year old, she turns 15 in a week. So 14, 15, but, um, over the summer, she had a physical relationship with the stepbrother that lives at mom's. So that, I think, has kind of put a hard stop to until he's gone, which is a couple more years. There's no way you guys can permanently live together. So, yeah, it's more the hurt, I think, that we're dealing with.
1: How did, David, I know you asked some questions. So remember, no, no, go ahead. remember yourself. <laughs> well, I had written down, I was going to ask you if you thought there was a chance that by a mom would get custody or if there was an age that they could decide. I know people... People say that in our state, but it's not true. It's not true. Yeah. Basically, unless there is really good reasons the child cannot choose, but then a guardian ad litem gets involved. And so really the guardian ad litem chooses and the child's input has a little weight.
4: Right. Right. And that's the same here. There has to be at this point now that it's been established and there's a status quo there has to be significant change on our end and that the other home would be a better option. And so bio mom would have to prove that the kids have gone through a significant change that warrants a change in custody. um, And that, that just won't happen. My husband's not going to become an alcoholic. He's not going to, you know, we're not going to move out of state anytime soon. So there's nothing that really warrants the hearing. And in, in Utah, they won't They won't even let you in the door until you can have the discussion until you can prove one, significant change, and two, that your situation is better than where they are. They really don't like to disrupt the status quo. And they're doing well with us for the most part. School is good, like on paper. The school grades are good. You know, they're um, healthy. uh, Those types of things that, that I think courts would be concerned about all kind of tick the boxes. It's the emotional argument that would be the biggest factor, I think, in any Sort of hearing her case is bio mom abusive to them? She is not, not physically. I think there's some emotional abuse but not physically you know she was never abusive to them and my husband was never abusive back that was a lot of my concern in the beginning because I wanted to know how volatile the relationship was and if it was one-sided or two-sided and and the kids have reported to all the, the others that that dad was never the source he was always just trying to get out and leave the situation and so that was kind of a comfort as well but no just just some emotional abuse I think that's a little bit harder to define and find
1: and prove Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, one more question, then we're going to get to David's questions. Yeah. All right. So, you found out that stepdaughter had a sexual relationship with the stepbrother. Yes. How did you find out?
4: Uh, We have some monitoring services set up on their cell phones. So, whenever there's discussion of sexual activity, Or language use, or threats of suicide, or bullying, we get alerts. And so in the spring of last year, we knew that there had been feelings. I think that was another reason why they were given to my husband, is that the judge recognized that, you know, she was 14 at the time, just barely 14, and he was 16, and that you know, they kind of had feelings for each other, but bio mom made some big promises about how he would go to grandparents' house whenever the weekends were there and and we didn't really get to the summer. Um, and then she wouldn't tell us anymore. So we would ask, you know, what's the plan for stepdaughter and, st- and stepbrother? And she would tell us it was none of our business. So <laughs> yeah, around spring break is when we think it happened. They stayed down there a little bit of extra time due to COVID. We were trying to limit exchanges, which was a bad idea. We should have just gone and got them. But so when she came back, she was different. Um, There was a difference in her behavior in her dress, a lot of talk of living with mom, and we really couldn't figure out why. So we got that text monitoring, just thinking that maybe something would pop up there. And it did. Um, they weren't allowed to text each other. So they were using his little sister's phone <laughs> and kind of talking in code to speak to each other. And then it became pretty obvious that there was a physical relationship going on because of those text messages. So, Did buy a mom know about it? When we told her... She uh, acted as if it was brand new information, but we got stepdaughter into a trauma therapist and it has come out in therapy that it was actually discovered by mom about two months earlier. So, yeah, we're pretty angry about that because we sent her down there unknowingly for two months and had we known, maybe other things could have been in place. But she doesn't know that we know that yet. That was told to us by the trauma therapist. So, mm. yeah, so it's, it's messy.
2: So dads probably beat himself up over that.
4: Yes, and a little bit, but also what what do you do when the courts really don't help you? <laughs> like what she wasn't underage and they're not related. And right. it, we kept asking what the arrangements were, what was set up in place to help keep them, you know, apart and monitored, and we never got any confident sure answers. And so It was a really helpless situation from from the beginning. But then we decided to call CPS, Child Protective Services, just because we felt like uh, it wasn't safe for her down there. And that was advice of the lawyer. So there was an investigation all summer and, you know, nothing really came out of that. But it was nice to hear that our concern was also their concern. So they just wanted to make sure that it hadn't started when she was 13, so hmm. that it started a year earlier. And so they didn't find any evidence of that. So it was kind of a, it was a rough couple months where we're dealing with, with that, but now it's uh, stepbrother still lives down there. So every other weekend he supposedly goes to grandparents' house when, when she, when they go down there, so.
2: Hmm. I wanna get back to the question of how you got your husband on board, cause this gets asked mm-hmm. a lot. Like, mm-hmm. How do you get your husband on board with this nacho thing? Because I need to do it. And oftentimes mm-hmm. the problem tends to be that either the person didn't explain it very well or they just jumped up on a Monday morning and was like, hey, starting today, I'm not picking your kid up from school. Right. <laughs> and so what they, what the dad, bio dad, knows about Nacho is basically that it's something that got thrown on him at the last minute and is now causing him a, bun- a bunch of problems.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm interested to know how you handled that.
4: Well, I think... He was a fan of notwing before he even knew what it was because about every three months I would have a little bit of a meltdown and just talk about how hard it was and how I couldn't do everything every more anymore. And I would get so mad, but he would say, "You're doing this to yourself. this is <laughs> this is a problem I can't help you with. Like if you have to have the kitchen and the schedules and the meals and everything just so, like you're holding yourself up to that and you're, you're doing it to yourself. And, and it was nice, you know, the way that he would say it, but I would get to these breaking points and he's sort of helpless in that situation where he can't fix it. These are his kids. And and he can't do anything about it. And so that would happen every couple of months. So then when you guys were a guest on a podcast, Lori, I think you were a guest on a podcast when I first heard about it and I told him and he was like, yes, I've been saying this all along, <laughs> but not in those words. Like you you need to not do so much. And whether that's ex- the expectations or the actions, this is something that you're doing to yourself. So he's a fan for sure.
2: And initially when you hear that, you were probably like, really? I don't have to do all this stuff? Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Well, I was thinking, but nobody else does it as well as I do. So (laughs) I can't let it go because I do the grades the best and I you know, make the appointments the best. I'm the only one that can do it, which isn't true. He is fully capable of doing all those things. He just doesn't do it in the same way that I do or the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really let go of some of that control that if the dishes don't get done because the kid hasn't done them, you know, right after dinner, I can't address it because I want them done now. I have to just walk away and know that he'll take care of that in an hour. And, and that's fine. And it didn't used to be fine, um, mm-hmm. but it's getting more fine. So,
2: yeah, I love it when the stepmom's like, I cannot nacho those dishes in the sink for five minutes. They have to be done immediately. And I'm like,
4: eh,
2: that's not going to work out well for you most of the time. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think our first moment of oh, this is really going to change our lifestyle. I've been helping the 16-year-old. She she goes to the same school I teach at, um, so she has been getting ready to get her driver's license, and so she'll drive us to and from school. And I realized that my interactions with her. While we were driving were critical and stressful. It just made my drive to school and my drive home from school really, really stressful. And I just decided I'm not doing that anymore. Like I'm not teaching her how to drive. So if... If she wants to go driving with dad, that's fine. But So I had to tell him, I had to say, I'm driving my car and us to school every day. I'm not doing it anymore because it's damaging our relationship, the the stepdaughter and I, whether she knows it or not. And I think that was the first time he was like, well, she really needs the experience. And then I said, she has two parents to teach her how to drive. And it's not me, so I shouldn't have to be the one to do that. And that was kind of the first moment of like, oh, this is what it looks like in our life, not chilling. And and that's kind of something we had to work through.
1: Yes, it's reducing your stress. Mm -hmm. And it's so smart of you for you to realize it wasn't only causing you stress. But it was putting stress on your relationship with stepdaughter. Yes. Yeah, even with husband.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. With you kids at school, you're mad when you get to school. And- <laughs> right, right. I don't want to start the day criticizing a kid for 20 minutes mm-hmm. on the way to school. For missing the left turn, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. What do you mean you didn't do your homework? You're bad as bad as my dad comes <laughs> stepdaughters. <laughs> yes,
4: exactly. So yeah. And, and we had to explain to her, you know, we don't want her to feel like it's anything that she did. So we really have have to have, a, we, and we haven't had this conversation yet where we sit down and I just need to say, I preference my, like my relationship with you is more important. And I find myself acting in a way that I'm, I don't like. And and I want to make sure that I'm speaking positively to you. You know, we're going to have to talk to her so that she doesn't feel like she did something wrong. Now she suddenly can't drive. Um, and so we're still working on how to do that exactly. Right. Just say it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Your driving <laughs> drives me crazy.
4: Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no,
1: because, you know, a lot of times I think we do things. And then we try to figure out the perfect way to say it or the perfect time to say it. Mm-hmm. And then a month goes by and the stepdaughter's thinking, well, what did I do wrong? Right. For a month. Right. Yeah. yeah. And when it just boils down to, look, I am not one to train somebody to drive. Right. Or teach somebody to drive. I don't have the patience. It stresses me out. I know it can't cause you to feel good when I'm screaming
2: at you <laughs> that,
1: you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. slow
2: down, <laughs> mash the brakes. Right. Lori's son can't stand to ride with her. Like Mm. he told me one time, he's like, I'd much rather ride with you because you don't holler and scream at me when I'm driving. (laughs) He's like, mama's trying to teach me how to drive and she scares me to death, hollering at me. (laughs) She's going to make me wreck. (laughs) Yeah,
4: that is the true test of the parent-child relationship, (laughs) I think, is teaching a kid how to drive.
1: (laughs) My sister decided to teach me how to drive before I had my permit. And I might have been like 12 And so we're riding around the block And at the last minute She tells me to turn right Well, I mean, when I say the last minute I mean the last minute The car didn't have power steering So I'm trying to turn And I realized I was going to hit the stop sign So I slam on brakes And I mean, I wasn't going that fast But still, you know Well, next thing I know She's cussing at me And tells me I'm walking home So that was my very first driving experience (laughs) So she had me terrified (laughs) <laughs> and I try not to react to Jackson that way, but I am a control person. So I try not to say freak. Yep, me too. But that's one of the problems that we have with our blended relationship too, is because we are yes. used to having that control.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I can't imagine with you, because you haven't had kids. No. Is this, is this your first blended relationship?
4: Yes. First blended relationship. Yeah, no kids. And I, you know, I was doing pretty well. At, I had a house. I, Pretty much as a single 38 year old, you know, I was living the, the the life of how I wanted to. I, you know, I ate when I wanted to and what I wanted to. I went where I wanted to. I had you know total control over my whole life, and it has that has been probably the hardest adjustment. Is um, somebody outside of my home, bio mom, has some control, and if she were a friend or a coworker, she would not be in my life. I would have cut her out because of The interactions and the negativity, but I can't get rid of her, Mm -hmm. at least for the next five years. And so, Just trying to come to terms with that outside force. And then also I now have four beings in my house that I have no control over either. And I can't control whose shoes go up on the couch, you know, or like where things are put in the fridge all the time. And it that to me was the hardest adjustment is letting go of all the control for sure.
1: That's a big adjustment, even if you just get married. Yeah. You know, trying to adjust to your significant other. But then you add the kids into
2: it. Yep. I do wonder, though, if people who are like teachers or executives, coaches, I wonder if they have a harder time in the blend. Because hmm. in your professional life, people, kids, especially kids, come to you with a level of respect and admiration so to speak most and, and they they're listening to you and they're doing what you're saying to some degree especially coaches yes if you're a football coach you know these kids come to you they're going to do what you say otherwise they're off the team
1: yeah and you can scream yeah. at them and it's
2: okay right and so yes. i love you coach so you, yeah <laughs> i know and so you go home with that same kind of attitude and mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I, I deal with kids all the time, like you said earlier. And you and you try to use that same thing that works at school mm-hmm. or at work, if you're, you know, the boss man or something like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, it backfires on you. You're like, Yeah, why is this not working? I do this day in and day out and it works. Why is it not working at home? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And there's a certain voice I use when I'm commanding these kids to get in their seats or do things like this. And and I would use that same voice <laughs> with the stepkids. And it, it's like zero to eight, right? Because with students, I just say it once and it scares them enough that they'll, you know, if I'm starting to get a little angry that they kind of get in line. But my husband would say that all the time. He's like, you can't be the teacher here. Like mm-hmm. when you go from zero to eight, It's not it doesn't have the same result. So I think you're absolutely right. Oh, I think so, too. I definitely think so.
1: And, you know, we've had several therapists join the Nacho Kids Academy Mm. because it's so easy for them to tell other people what they can do to better their lives. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard for them Kind of like the teachers, you would think that you would, like you said, go into this, you know how to talk to kids, you know how to get them to do what you want them to and all this happy stuff. Yeah. And then it's the complete opposite.
4: Yes, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And you're not the f- first teacher that we've talked to. In fact, I think there's several in the academy now.
2: Yeah. I remember when we had that football coach and he had a terrible time.
0: Oh, yeah. And I
2: think I think a lot of it was because, you know, he's he's in a position all day, every day with these kids where he says, jump, they say, ha-ha. Hi, hi. You know, he's like, run around mm-hmm. the fence and do this and do that. And they're like, yes, coach. And <laughs> goes home and mm-hmm. tries the same. They're like, wash the dishes. And they're like, oh, I am not doing that. yeah yeah the eye rolls and you know yeah. Chopper Give me 20.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I think the moment that really became clear is my stepdaughter, we put her, we have like an advisory period where kids will come to a teacher and kind of work with them. And so the first semester we put her in my advisory and, and so she would come to my classroom and I would be teacher self in, in front of her or whatever. And most of the time, my family members, if they come visit me at school or friends, I'm a different person. I'm that more authoritarian kind of, you know, I don't know, teacher persona. So when I got home the first day, I said, "Was it weird seeing me in the classroom?" She's like, "No, it was the same." And that's when I thought, "Oh, like I'm I'm the same person and and that's not who I am. That's just the role that I play during the day when I work." And I thought that's how she sees me. It's not a real relationship then because that's not who I really am.
1: Right, but the role you were playing was the role you knew to play with children.
4: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's what worked. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But didn't work at home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of times stepmoms that don't have children have it a lot harder because they're not used to the shoes being on the couch. They're not used to the mud being tracked in. Yeah. You know, and no matter how... Organized David's kids were, you have four kids coming in and put backpacks and shoes on the floor. It was chaos.
2: It was every Mm -hmm. Monday they came in, it was four tornadoes tearing through the house. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) It was crazy.
2: They would literally walk in the door and drop everything at the door. Mm. Like at the door, the door wouldn't close. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wouldn't open. And they would make a beeline yeah. for the refrigerator and the pantry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I They would get on my nerves sometimes. So I know for Lori, it had to be terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, I had Jackson. And I know when he was a baby, I'll tell you a quick story. I have this couch that I love. And so prior to Jackson, I had my couch that I love dearly, my house that I love dearly, <laughs> and my car.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when I found out I was pregnant, I had to get rid of my car. You can't really have a Trans Am and have a baby. (laughs) Sure you can. (laughs) The car seats don't fit in the back seat. And then I remember I was changing his diaper one day on the couch and he peed on my couch. (gasps) The funny thing is, it didn't make me as mad as you would think it would Hmm. because he was my baby. Mm
2: -hmm. You got mad when I peed on the
1: couch. (laughs) Yes, I did. I still get (laughs) mad at you when you pee on the couch. But... (laughs) <laughs> so, Jackson kind of broke me into those things of yes, there's going to be toys left out. Yes, there's going to be spaghettios slung up against the wall at times or whatever. So, it kind of prepared me a little bit
0: mm-hmm. for
1: the chaos that
2: I was going to um, endure while I was here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But it's still very different because, like with my kids, if they were screaming, Part of me was like, oh, the house is so alive. It's so nice. <laughs> but if her kids scream, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what is this problem?
1: <laughs> and, and it's so funny because one of David's kids has a really loud, like, he mm-hmm. will never need a microphone when he talks. Mm-mm. And he can do this squeal that sounds like a girl. And he would do that, and it drove me nuts. My son does it. It bothers me, but not like when David's son did. You know, it's annoying, but not like wanting to kill somebody annoying. (laughs) And I can promise you, I never thought that when all David's kids were here and they were all loud and running around and acting like hoodlums, I never once thought, oh, the house is so alive. (laughs) I'm like, it's a freaking zoo in here. Sorry, when are they going back?
2: (laughs) Give me the tranquilizer gun. I'm shooting one of them.
4: Yeah, I think that's exactly it for sure.
2: So um, how? I know you said you were in the academy. How long have you been in the academy?
4: Uh, Just a month.
2: Just a month. Okay.
4: Just a month. Yep.
2: So I asked somebody this in a past episode. So Mm -hmm. give me on a scale from one to 10, what was your relationship with everybody before the Academy? And then I want you to give me the number from one to 10 as it is today after you've been in the Academy for a month.
4: Yeah, I think the moment of joining the Academy was a low point of desperation for sure. So I would say kids and I, especially the middle, we're probably at like a one or a two (laughs) and we're about at a five. I'm still not great yet or or able to nacho. I will do something I know I probably shouldn't have and I have to be really reflective and and say, oh, I probably shouldn't have asked her five times to unload the dishwasher, (laughs) right? So it's still a learning process. So I think it's getting better. Um, but it's still too new, I think to be where it will be eventually.
2: Yeah. That's still tremendous progress.
4: It is. Yeah, I think so.
1: And, you know, you're 13 months in. So for 13 months, things have happened one way, and now you're changing up. Mm -hmm. So it takes time to adjust. Mm -hmm. And it is a process. And it's like we were talking, I think it was before we started recording, about once you start reengaging, you may go, wait a minute, I'm not ready for that. Mm -hmm. Or you may get the feeling that she's not ready for that. So you feel that pushback from her, and it's like, okay, it's not time. Mm -hmm. So back back up again. It's okay. Try again in a month or try again in 3 weeks. Just let that opportunity to build those bonds with them happen more naturally. Mm-hmm. But if you see that there's pushback or you yourself start
4: feeling uncomfortable, it's okay to
1: back up a little bit. It's not a failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: No. Do you think it's normal for stepmoms to feel slightly like guilty for not showing? Because I worry sometimes about putting all this responsibility on, even though he's their dad and they're his kids. Like I want to help and I want to support. And so I watch sometimes the struggle and the like trying to carry now the grades and the appointments and all the things he's doing all these things and I get to go up into our room and watch a show, you know, so do it because I'm not showing that. So how do we how do I balance? That's I guess my biggest thing is the guilt of you're doing most of the heavy lifting with the parenting and I'm just sort of sitting back, you know, and relaxing a little
1: well. There is a course that we did in the academy on that. Okay. So watch that. Okay. Yes, it is normal. Okay. I wouldn't say that everybody feels guilty about it, but a lot of people do at some point. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there going, oh yeah, I'm back here eating bonbons and oh, look at poor little David. He's all stressed out raising
2: <laughs> his hellion kids. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel bad that your friend's having to parent when you go out with her and her kids?
4: No, actually, I don't. Mm -hmm.
1: But you marry somebody and... You want to help. You want to help. You want to make their life easier.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: And so one way that you can kind of get over that is to help him in other
2: areas. Mm -hmm. You also have to realize that by not jumping in and helping, you actually are helping. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: You're empowering him. Well, not just that, but you're not creating a bigger problem. Like he said before, yeah. stop taking on so much stuff because some of these things are causing other issues. Mm-hmm. So if if you're happier, that's one less thing he has to deal with. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely.
1: For instance, David earlier, No, this is not kid related, but. <laughs> Here we go. No, but. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> no, but it has to do with helping. So <laughs> I heard him with the crazy dog that we have and the little pen area in the kitchen that we try to contain him in that, you know, he doesn't stay in. But anyway, (laughs) David says, oh, you don't have any water. I'll get you some in a minute, buddy. And I'm thinking, I don't know if he said that. So I would hear it. So I would get the water, but I went and got the water and handed it to him. So he wouldn't have to climb over the fence and get the water and then do it again. Mm. So I was helping him in that way, but I didn't jump in and fill the water bowl up for him.
4: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: There are ways that you can help and also tell him what a good job he's doing as a dad. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. things that you don't mind doing, if you don't mind making the doctor's appointments, do that. Mm-hmm. The things you don't mind doing, continue to do those things. But the things mm-hmm. that cause you stress, stop cause. What you have to do is you have to look at those and figure out a way to handle them differently so you're not so stressed. If that means to avoid them, to eliminate them, or to just change your thinking. yeah. But six months down the road, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've re-engage with half the stuff that used to stress me out and it doesn't anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Before sweet little Kayla came along, what did he do? He had he had, had, had to do it all, right?
4: Exactly. Exactly.
2: And I doubt he complained about it. I doubt when you were dating, he was like, oh my gosh, this dad thing. I just can't stand it.
4: Yeah. not It wasn't on his dating profile. He was looking for <laughs> someone to do all the things. So, yeah.
2: Right. It's, I'm looking for a hot wife and a stepmom for my kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was not on there, I'm sure.
4: <laughs> no, that was not on there. <laughs> yeah, Someone to do all the work.
1: <laughs> but here's the thing, David. He's not making her feel guilty. No. No. It's herself making her right. feel guilty. Right. But here's the other thing, Kayla. If you say, oh, I feel guilty. I need to do more. And you jump back in pretty quickly. You're going to notice that you feel resentment. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. I would agree with
1: that. So don't let that guilt kick in to where you end up doing something because you feel guilty
2: and it caused resentment.
4: Right.
0: Because
2: yeah, then you're going to be like, I do all this stuff and nobody cares and they treat me like this. I'm, I don't know why I even do any of it. Yeah, I'm done. Yes,
4: exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And then you back off <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, I feel so guilty for backing off. And then you go back in like, and yeah. oh nobody does anything. <laughs> you go back and forth from resentment to guilt, resentment to guilt. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And think about it. Anything in your life that you felt guilty about, and if you did it because you felt guilty and never turned out good
4: right absolutely yeah I think that's the biggest emotion and the the also the I could do this better like <laughs> especially with grades and school uh you know I have that pretty figured out and and it's hard I, I took that on for the first year but it just got again it was damaging the relationship um I had with the with the kids and so to just watch them figure it out their own way and sort of know that, man, I could do this so much better, but but it's okay. That, that's also a hard emotion, I think, to contend with.
1: But your relationship with those stepkids is more important than them making straight A's. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. And honey, I'm going to tell you, I'm a straight A girl and I push my kid to make straight A's because I know he can. Mm-hmm. But the relationship you have with them is going to carry on with them throughout life. Right. And I'm not saying school is not important. I think you know that.
0: Sure.
1: You have the potential to be a mentor to them and a confidant and somebody that they can come to in six years when their relationship ends with their boyfriend and they feel like their life is over.
4: Mm-hmm. And they would have had to do it without me had I not been around anyway. So I have to remind myself that they would have figured it out anyway. So mm-hmm. if husband comes and asks, how can I do this better? Or are you willing to help so and so with homework? If I feel like that, then yes. But you know, other than that, it's it's hard to sit on your hands a little bit and watch.
1: It is hard. I remember I love math. Like, it's my favorite subject in the world. Like, I can do math problems for fun. And. David's kids would sit there and they would struggle with algebra and stuff. And he would ask me, he's like, can you help them? Because he didn't do well in math or algebra in school. And I was like, sure. But here's the thing. If I sat down and tried to help them and in 15 minutes they're sitting there looking at the sky or rolling their eyes at me or not paying attention, I'm done. Right. And the reason is I'm not your parent. I am not your mama. I don't have to sit here and help you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to accept my help and try, then I'm done.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And I remember one time I was helping one of them, and he started doing that, and I got up, I'm like, done. You can deal with it. Good luck. Use Google, YouTube. It's a great thing. (laughs) Khan Academy, baby. Khan Academy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. yeah. But we do have a tendency to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's tough. In any situation, it's tough to know you can help. You can change the situation for the better. You have the tools to do it, Mm -hmm. but you can't. Mm
4: -hmm. That's
2: tough for anybody in any situation.
4: Yeah, and I think I just have to keep reminding myself the relationship is more important. So whether the chores get done on a certain time or the kids behave a certain way, that's not what's most important. It's the relationship, and that helps. I think guide guide interactions. Right.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it very well could be six months or a year from now where all these things we're talking about you're not able to do now, you then are able to do it. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like mm-hmm. this is the way it's going to be from now on. Kayla, get used to it. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's I think that's right. one big thing people don't realize when they start doing this Nacho Kids method and going down this process. They're like, oh my gosh, this feels kind of bad initially. I'm. You know backing off from everything, and blah, blah blah, I'm like just follow the process. it's not going to stay this way. Just mm-hmm. follow the process and it'll change quickly, right, but you've got to do the process and you've got to do it right or it, it won't work
4: right absolutely.
1: One thing you may notice at some point, you may start feeling left out mm. right now you may enjoy that a long time in your room watching House Hunters International. <laughs> Nobody watches that. Great show. I love that show. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah.
4: Great show. Hey. Yeah, great show. All the House Hunters. They're <laughs> going to
1: sponsor our next podcast. You watch this. <laughs> they, they should. <laughs> yeah. So you may find a time that you're watching House Hunters International and you hear them laughing and cutting up. Mm. You know, you start feeling a loneliness or a sadness. That is when... You need to get up and go in there and be a part of it. Mm. It may not last but two minutes before they get on your nerves and you feel like you need to say something, and that's when you have to walk away again. But it's also normal to start feeling that way. That's when you know that almost like your heart's ready to start reengaging a little bit.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's when you know some of the resentment is gone. Right. Very well that's said,
4: a good David. Sign, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I do applaud you for joining the Nacho Kids Academy so early in your relationship and not waiting until you were ready to throw in the towel and yeah, you know, go so, sell goat
2: cheese yeah. on the side of a mountain. So what convinced you to join though? Cause you know, a lot of people are like I can do this on my own.
4: Uh, I think it was either that or I just, I felt like I didn't know where else to go. There's really not a lot of, uh, there is more, more than I there's ever been, but I really haven't found a space that felt productive and that felt that had tools that I could actually use. And so just hearing guests on the podcast, talk about the tools and applying the tools. I needed something practical instead of just a space to vent on a Facebook group or something like that. I needed something that I could do now that I felt like would make a difference now. And, And the guests on the podcast really emphasized that it did almost immediately start working for many. So That was sort of the light or the hope that I was holding on
1: to. And the difference is you won't help. You don't want to just go and vent. Anybody can vent all day, but mm-hmm. you're not going to change. It's not going to change anything.
4: Right? If anything,
1: it's going to fire you up more because you're going to have all those people in the group go, yeah, he is a piece of crap. <laughs> leave him. Yeah. Just leave him. Just leave him. Just leave him.
4: Yeah. And it doesn't solve the problem. I mean, bio mom's not going away. The attitude of the 15-year-old isn't going away. And and I can't control that, but I can control the choices and the thinking and the actions that i make and and i think that is taking some power back a little bit mm-hmm.
1: it is and it sounds so crazy to say letting go of control is the ultimate control mm-hmm. but it is because when you let go of that control and you control how you react to things instead it's empowering it really is
4: it is i think so well i appreciate it i appreciate the work and the effort and the time it really has been a relief and a resource. So it's much appreciated. Well, we are so glad to have you as a guest and as a member of the Nacho Kids
1: Academy.
2: Yep.
4: Thank
1: you.
2: Absolutely. Well, thanks Kayla. We appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks again. And we will see you inside the Academy.
4: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Mm -hmm, Bye.
2: Bye.
1: David and I are sitting here getting ready to start recording. And he says, Oh, blah, 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 blah,
2: blah. And he reads this thing. I didn't say blah, blah, blah. He said, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I said I did my good deed for the day.
1: Yeah, so he reads his thing, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And apparently this client of his had to have surgery, so he had his secretary, assistant, whatever you want to call her, send this lady a small bouquet of flowers.
2: Yeah, get well soon, flowers. Isn't that sweet?
1: It was sweet. And then I said, you ain't never sent me no flowers. And what would you say?
2: I said, you told me never to send you any flowers. Don't you ever waste no money on me sending me flowers. If you're going to do anything, you send me to Walmart.
1: (laughs) No, if you're going to do anything, you go to Foodline, and when they have them marked down for $3.99 when you get
2: them. You still don't want them. You'd be like, I can't believe you spent $3.99. That's not true. Give me an Amazon card. I buy my own. (laughs) (laughs) You do
1: buy your
2: own. Look,
1: I I am self-sufficient. No,
2: you know, know, I've learned if I'm going to buy you quote-unquote flowers, I buy you a plant because you prefer to have a plant. It's not a waste of money because they don't die. Not with you. I don't know how you do it. I'll give you one plant. Next thing I know, you got four. That's right. Yeah, because you do something to them and make them grow another one. But, I talk
1: to them and tell them I love them.
2: Yeah. So I bought you a potted plant, I don't know, back in the spring.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't even know what it was. It was pretty.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Brought it home, gave it to you. Had a nice nice little pot that it was in, painted and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it still today it looks the same as it did six months ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is the way to buy them. Because if I bought you long stem cut roses, two days later they'd be dead. Yeah. And you'd be like, I can't believe they're in the trash. It's the same argument I'd have about the way you buy groceries and we have to throw a bunch of it away.
1: All right. So (laughs) let's talk a little bit, David, about. um, Why are you changing subject? People don't want to hear all this. I think they do. (laughs) not They don't. Are you
2: sure? I'm sure. Let's talk about when you buy stuff. Too much. Like, you don't realize four of my kids have moved out, and your grocery list still looks the same.
1: <laughs> well, let's see.
2: Why do we have 18 boxes of cereal?
1: The zombie apocalypse. Okay. Just Make wondering. fun of me now, but when
2: you're hungry, those Fruit Loops are going to taste darn good. uh uh-uh, because you won't eat them if they one day expired. <laughs> That's right. You, you'll die. That's you'll right. You'll drop dead <laughs> before you eat one day expired food. You're right. That's okay. You'll taste good in the zombie apocalypse. I'll be cooking you of a (laughs) rotisserie. I better not lose any weight. That's right. Right
1: now, there's probably enough for you to live a couple years. (laughs) (laughs) You crazy. i be like, these are the fattest ribs I ever seen. (laughs) It's just got that that ham grease (laughs) on. The ham jelly. (laughs) That's gross. I know. We always enjoy our interviewees. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes they tell us stuff that just make me laugh, like the fact that her husband stayed in a camper in the driveway.
2: Why did that make you laugh?
1: Because that's awesome. I want to live in a camper in the driveway.
2: I'll get you one. What's
1: wrong with you? (laughs) You just said you wanted to. (laughs) Well, the way you said it, you heard that tone? I'll get you one.
0: Uh. Yeah. If
1: you
2: want to live in a driveway, have at it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That backfired on you, didn't it? (laughs) We are hoping that Kayla will be able to talk her husband into being a guest on our podcast. Mm -hmm. So, Kayla, I know you're listening to the end of this. You may be the only one. Get that man to contact me about being a guest on our podcast.
2: That's right. That's our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening. And remember, we will be back next week. With another wonderful episode. The lady next week's even
1: more southern than I am. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Where's she from?
2: Georgia. Yeah, that's further south. All right. So next week we'll be from Georgia with another fine episode. (laughs) Of the Nacho Kids podcast.
1: (laughs) Or podcast. (laughs) All right. So
2: for Lori and myself, remember life is good. When you nacho